praise the Lord, everybody. Praise the Lord. Don't we serve an awesome God? He is just wonderful. I just love the Lord. I love him more and more every day. Um, as I get older, I find out how much I need his grace and his mercy in my life and how much I can't do this on my own. And I truly, desperately need him for everything. Um, he is my provider, my way maker. Sound like the old people. <laughs> he is a, a healer, my doctor, my lawyer. He's everything. And so I'm so grateful to serve that God uh, that just loves us and continues to, continues to woo us and um, want us to be more like him and will not leave us alone to ourselves. And don't you just love that? And sometimes it's strange because sometimes you want to be left to yourself, but God loves us so much that he will not leave you to yourself. He will not. He continues to chase us and want us to change and be better. And sometimes I'm like, oh, just leave me to myself. But he's like, no, I'm not going to leave you to yourself. Um, because I know that he has something greater for me and greater for you guys. And I want what God wants for me in every area of my life. I want to be able to give him glory, which is our backdrop of this year. We want to achieve the vision with whatever, whatever we do, want, to be, want it to be to the glory of God. And that is my desire, to do whatever I can do for the glory of God. And I want to see his glory revealed in this earth and through me and through you. And this is a corporate thing. We talked about the body last week. This is a corporate thing. I want to, my uh, investment in you is just as, as great as in me. Because if I don't achieve, then we all don't achieve. If, you, if you're hurting, if my toe, if I stump my toe, my whole body moves to my foot and says, ah, you know, my toe is hurting. It, it affects the whole body. So if you're hurting, it affects me. Maybe not directly, but indirectly. So we should be concerned about each, each other's growth and where we're going and, and meeting this vision and meeting our personal goals. It is all our effort. It is a corporate effort that we go forward in and, and check on one another and make sure that you're doing what you're supposed to do. And you can do that to me as well. If I'm not doing what I'm supposed to do, just like, you know, you have children in, in the old times. I don't know if they do it much now. Um, they used to tell me I'm not that old. So, um, when they would say, you know, your children would be out in the community, and if they did something down the street, before they even got home, the parents knew about it because everyone was talking to one another, and everyone didn't mind, you know, parents didn't mind scolding that child and saying, I'm going to tell your mother, you know, and, and everyone knew about it. And so that is how much more for the children of God that he is concerned about us, and we should be concerned about one another and making sure that when we are meeting our goals, that we are achieving what God wants us to achieve, that we're going to be all that God wants us to be. Um, it's not so just selfish about myself or about my family or my kids, but it's about your kids, Chad. It is about your kids. It's about pastors. It's about all of us coming together, meeting our goals, and achieving what God has for us for his glory. Um, I say all that. Um, gosh, uh, Sean, you did a very good job. I gave Sean my notes uh, this morning, which I don't suggest for anyone who speaks. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I had a lot of them, and uh, he was very gracious. I appreciate that. Thank you so very much. But uh, he didn't throw them away and say, I'm not doing all this. This is a lot of um, um, scriptures that you have. But anyway, I also had some handouts. So if you don't, didn't get a handout, please raise your hand. I think there may be some more. Um, I just knew that I wanted to cover a whole lot, and I may not get to all of it, but I wanted to make sure you had an opportunity to take those things home. And there will be a lot of scriptures that we're going to try to get through. I don't know if you'll get through all of them again, um, but again, you'll have those to take with you. But courage, we want to talk about courage, overcoming fear for the glory of God by fearing God's glory. And like I said, we talked about reaching those goals, and I was thinking last Sunday after the pastor spoke that dynamic message, how am I going to reach the goal for this ministry and my personal goals for myself and for my family and help my kids reach their goals? And I immediately think about what gets in the way of me reaching my goals because I had goals last year. Some of them I met, some of them I didn't meet. Um, and what got in the way of me meeting those goals, goals? What gets in the way of most of us meeting our goals, whether they be personal, whether it be for our families, or meeting the church goals? What gets in our way? 
And immediately the Lord spoke to me and said, fear. And so I was like, hell yeah, um, that probably is it. <laughs> um, and so I want to talk about courage and overcoming fear. We're going to talk about fear, and you can look in your notes that I, you, I've given you. Um, Franklin Roosevelt in 1993, in his inaugural address, made the statement, we have nothing to fear but fear itself. And that sounds good in a speech, you know, that sounds real you know, oh, that sounds really nice. But when you really think about it, you have to really sit there and ponder that to really think you really have nothing to fear but fear itself. And it's like a play on words, and it's like one of those things you have to really kind of dive into. Um, but there is some truth to what Franklin D. Roosevelt had, had mentioned, that we don't have anything to fear but fear itself. And then the truth is we don't have to fear fear uh, because God has given us um, greater that we can overcome that fear. And so we talked about our vision. Our church vision for 2011 is to be connected to God, to the body, to a, to a ministry, and to the world with the backdrop of for the glory of God. And I want you to take this message and really apply it to your life. Really look at areas in your life that have become stagnant, that, you know, you've had the same goal for year after year after year. And what is getting in the way of you meeting or reaching that goal? What is stopping me from achieving what God has for me and my family and for this body. And if it's fear, really take a look at that fear and really apply this to your life to really overcome fear. Because fear is a, is a, a, can be a very devastating thing. What is fear? There are three Greek words, and I'm not going to pronounce them. Um, I'm going to just let you read them. That's one of the things I did as well. There are three Greek words for fear. The first word, we get our English word phobia, uh, phobios, I can, I, I can say that one, phobios, which is from the English word phobia. And we can look at, uh, and we can see that in the Bible and on, in Acts 2, uh, verses, verse 43, and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles. Uh, that Greek word is used in that scripture. Also in Acts 5, 11, and great fear came upon all the church and upon as many has heard these things. Um, Romans eight fifteen. for we have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but we have re- received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Abba, Father. That's just good news right there. Um, we have not received the spirit of bondage again in fear, but we received the spirit of adoption. First uh, Corinthians 2, 3, and I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And that Paul is talking about one of his experiences um, and Paul experienced many things, and Paul is a great man uh, in the new in the, of the New Testament. But he feared some things, and he was with them in fear and much trembling. Second um, Corinthians seven five, for when we come, for when we were come into Macedonia, our flesh had not rest, but we were troubled on every side. Without were fightings, and within were fear. And, and again, Paul talking about fear, talking about him having fear inside. Another word. Greek word for fear is uh, in B in your outline. Uh, I, I'm going to give it a try. I think it's dialus, dialus. I'm going to go with it. Um, fright or dread. Um, and you can see that being used in Matthew 8, 26. He said unto them, why are you fearful? They were frightful or dreadful. They were dreading something. Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea. Um, there was a great calm and John 14, 27 talks about peace. I leave with you my peace. I give unto you, not as the world giveth, I give unto you. Let not your hearts be troubled. Neither let there be, let it be afraid. Second Timothy one, seven for God has not given us the spirit of fear, but of weakness, hate, <laughs> confusion, <laughs> All right, y'all paying attention, good. Uh, but of power and of love and a sound mind. And that is reassuring for me that he did not give me this. What he's given me is power to overcome that fear. He's given me love, and he's given me a sound mind. Um, thirdly, which is the only fear that we should have is, and I'm not going to try that one, but the Greek word referring to reverence. In Hebrews 12, 28, it talks about, wherefore we, we receiving a kingdom, which cannot be moved, let us have grace whereby 
we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. And so the only fear that you should have is this kind of fear. And we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, the English word fear has a great range of meaning, meanings. It can mean a reflex, abrupt and acute sense of alarm or surprise. You can also use fear as in thrill. We have some thrill seekers, sensation of daring, roller coaster, bungee jumping, gambling. Um, I think Liberty had on their ice plex some event last night, and there was like kids all over the East Coast that came. And I was like, man, why do they want to do that? <laughs> but they're thrill seekers. They're out for that thrill. They want to go on the board and go up so many feet in the air and land and possibly break something. But hey, that's, <laughs> that's part of the thrill. Um, also, wariness, healthy awareness of the dangers, which is a good part of fear that gives us caution, uh, causes us to be cautioned or, or be on the watch for things. Cowardness, which is definitely not a good fear, which means timidity, afraid to venture or intimidate it, and apprehension, fret or worry, uh, anxiety, chronic sense of panic or terror, phobias, dread. Uh, and you, we probably may, we may know people who have some of those. And then awe, again, which is our, the honor, respect, and reverence, which is the fear that we should have. What do we fear? I can't name all the things that we fear. <laughs> the, uh, the things that we fear are more numerous than the, per- the people in church today all over the country, I'm sure. I mean, there are people that fear coming to church, and there's probably a name for it. Uh, we fear the unknown. We fear the unfamiliar. We fear the lack. We fear lack. We fear loss. We fear economic instability. We fear love or loss of love. We fear relationships. <laughs> we fear what others think. Or what others might do. We fear people. We fear other cultures. We fear diversity. And Pastor Taylor talked about diversity. And if you fear diversity, uh, you may be in the wrong place. But we're going to work with you. God will work with you <laughs> to help overcome that. Not just culturally diversity, but diversity uh, in social, economic, uh, age, diversity. We fear offending other people. We fear rejection. We fear crowds. We fear being dependent. Some of us fear being independent. We fear responsibility. We fear inadequacy. We fear success. We fear being out of control. We fear being ridiculed or embarrassed. We fear our capacity to hurt others. We fear darkness. We fear snakes. We fear heights. We fear work, suffering, pain, tribulation. Some of us fear air travel. We fear closed spaces, spiders. Dolls, cats, you name it. That's just a few. <laughs> but I'm sure some of you may see yourself in some of those fears. I have a story. My neighbor has a German shepherd. He lives across the street from me. Hope he's not in here. Talk about the dog. Um, <laughs> but um, he never puts his dog on a leash. And he's a, he was a real nice gentleman. But he never puts his dog on a leash. And German shepherd is pretty big. He, he probably, German shepherd probably looks my daughter in the face. And so my, uh, my daughter, Gabby, is fairly afraid of dogs in general, but definitely, you know, this dog because it's pretty big. And she's warming up to the dog, but um, every time she ha- it's like a new experience. She's like, uh, I'm a little bit afraid. I go over and talk to him. And she's, she's really a trooper because she knows she has this fear, but she will commit to going over with me to the neighbor because she wants to overcome this fear, and we want her to overcome that fear as well. And so one of the comments she said uh, early on when we first moved into the neighborhood, he was like, uh, our neighbor said, well, the dog is not going to bite you. And she said, but his teeth are so big. <laughs> like, what, is else he's, what else is he going to do with those teeth but bite me? <laughs> and I can, I can imagine coming from her, from her perspective, she's here and this dog is looking at her in the face that could be very scary. And I you know, often think that my neighbor, he, he loves his dog, but he, he doesn't understand that other people may fear dogs. And he might need to put it on a leash, but. Uh, that's, I won't have that conversation with him because I want to remain friends with him. <laughs> uh, but he does love his dog. But people have fears and phobias, and some of them we understand. Some of them we have, we have no possibility of understanding. I never will understand the fear of the number 13 for some people. Um, it baffles me. It's like, 
afraid of 11. <laughs> why, why just 13? <laughs> um, why not two or three? I don't know. Um, and I, I remember a, a teacher, an elementary school teacher, my kindergarten teacher, had a major fear of snakes, even to the point that she feared the pictures of snakes. And so she had to remove any books that were in the classroom, could not have a snake. And so, of course, you're in kindergarten, and one of my friends was not being very nice that day, uh, got this book with a snake in it and ran up and showed her, and she screamed. And I remember that so vividly, and I was in kindergarten. She screamed and ran out of the classroom, and I was still kind of dumbfounded that, why is this grown woman afraid of, not a live, it wasn't even a live snake. It was a picture of a snake in a book. But she ran out of the classroom and screamed. And, you know, I think the whole school knew that she had this fear. And so, you know, they scolded the, the young, the boy. But I can remember just being very confused about why she had that fear. I can understand maybe a live snake, but not a picture of one. But, hey, um, there are fears out there that we uh, understand and some we don't understand. But it's very real to people who have the fear. And it can be very debilitating. In the Bible, we see um, that fear is not just limited to us and, and, and other, uh, to us and our friends, but it's, it's, we also mention fear in the Bible numerous times. Um, Gideon's army fears the Midianites. In Judges 7, 2, it says, The Lord said to, uh, said to Gideon, You have too many men. I cannot deliver Midian uh, into their hands, or Israel would boast against me. My own strength has saved me. And so they, he, God thought they would think that, well, we, they wouldn't depend on God or they wouldn't give the glory to God. They would give the glory to themselves because they had all these men. And so he announced, Gideon announced to the army, anyone who trembles with fear may turn back and leave Gilead. So 22,000 men left while then, uh, 10, I think 10,000, I should I should say, while wow, 10,000 remain. I might have misprinted that for some of you. But 10,000 remain. I was like, man, these were men of battle. These were not just regular old common folk in the street that he called out upon. These were already men who were in the army. So they had some prerequisite. They've done some training. So they were supposed to be there. They were in the army. They had the shield and everything that they needed. But they were afraid. And just at the thought of saying, if you are afraid, you may leave. And I would have been afraid to leave. So I would just stay, even though I was afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I would have been like, no, I'm not going to be afraid. I'm not going to. That's not the category I would have left in. I might would have left on the second one. But uh, <laughs> not on just the being afraid one. Uh, but 22,000 men, grown men, grown rusty men, my mom would say, uh, got up and left because they were afraid. And so fear is just not limited to ch- just children, but also men. The disciples fear the Jewish leaders. And John 20, verse 19 on the evening of that first day of the week, and this is after Jesus had been um, crucified, and the disciples were together, but the doors locked. I thought this was funny. The doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. And so the disciples were afraid. Even after Jesus had, had died, they were, they were fearful of what the Jewish leaders were going to do to them because they had just crucified their, their leader, their brother, the rabbi. And so... They locked their door, and uh, maybe uh, we don't have that kind of fear here in this country, but I can imagine other countries, and, I, and I, I've heard news stories about where them gathering together is dangerous, and they fear being killed because of reading the Bible or because of worshiping or, or believing in Jesus Christ. They fear that, and that's hard for us to imagine because we live in this society where, you know, religion is thrown here, there, and about, and it's not a big deal. Um, but you can, I can imagine being in a country where this was not allowed, and we had to go around secretly to meet and talk about Jesus and, and to study the word. And it gives you appreciation, one, for those people who do that, because they have a commitment level. Well, I wonder if we would have. Um, would we have that same commitment level? If, the, if people were standing around with guns saying, if you praise your God, we will kill you. And I, I often think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and how they were so um, settled in trusting God. And I'm getting ahead of myself. But I, I love that story and how they were just assured. And, they, and one of the comments that they say were, um, even if God doesn't do this, 
we're still going to not serve your Lord. And that's amazing because I want God to do it. I don't want to. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if I, you know, so even if he, I want you to do it, God. But they were so rest assured that even if he doesn't do it, we're still not going to serve your God. We're still not going to bow down because we trust and believe our God so much that even if he doesn't show himself in this situation, I know he can, and it was a reason why, and I'm going to be okay with that. And that's, that resolute, that resolute uh, in their soul and in their spirit is like, wow, you know, am I, do I have that kind of uh, resolve, that kind of trust that no matter what happens, even, it doesn't, even if it doesn't work out for my good, as in Joseph's case, even if it doesn't turn out for my good, if I don't see it turn out for my good, I'm still going to trust God. I'm still going to believe him. And so that's powerful. And that, that, that is uh, fearing God to overcome your natural fears of what is around you. What does fear do to us? Fear causes us to not be ourselves. In Esther 8, 16, it reads, For the Jews, it was a time of happiness and joy, gladness and honor. In every province and in every city to which the, uh, the edit of the king came, there was joy and gladness among the Jews, feasting and celebrating. And many people of other nationalities became Jews because fear of the Jews had seized them. So in this case, it may not have been a bad thing, I don't know, uh, to become a Jew. But they, they, they uh, say they were Jews out of fear. And I thought about that, and I was like, fear causes us not to be who we really are. Just like I said before, if, the, if uh, he said the 22,000 men left uh, because he asked them whether it be fear. Now, I would have been in case where I would have been afraid to leave. And maybe if uh, 22,000 got up, I might would have left out with them. Uh, <laughs> but it causes us not to, to be ourselves. And in this world, we can fear certain things in our workplace, on our jobs, in the community. We could fear what our neighbors think about us. We could fear what other people would say to, about us. And so we tend not to be ourselves. And we put on other airs. We'll pretend that we're a Jew when we're not a Jew. Or we'll pretend we're something that we're really not. And um, that gets to a whole lot of these things. So when you, when you um, pretend that you're something that you're not, when you're not really yourself, so if you're a Jew with these guys, in this instance, we're trying to be Jews, what if the Jews ate certain things that you didn't, that didn't agree with you? <laughs> then you're going to pretend or, you know, act like it didn't bother you. And so that would affect you physically and mentally and everything else. What if they did certain things to their kids that you didn't agree with? Well, you know, because you're pretending and you're going to go along with it even though you don't agree with it. Um, so that's definitely no-no. That's what fear does to us and many of us. Fear paralyzes us. When Jesus saw, uh, when Jesus was walking on the sea, in Matthew 14, 25, also Mark 6, 50, and John 6, 19. I don't know, I'm not going to go through all of those, John. But, uh, <laughs> uh, but he, he, was, he was paralyzed. The people saw Jesus walking on the sea, and they were afraid. And they kind of looked, and they like, is that you? You know, we were wondering, and we were afraid. And they, they, was, they was paralyzed with fear. Fear causes us to follow the crowd much like fear causes us not to be ourselves, erring and yielding to the Israelites when they demanded an idol in Exodus 32, 22 through 24. And also Pilate in condemning Jesus for the fear of the people in John 19, 12 through 6. So it causes you to follow the crowd. And so many times, especially when you're younger, and that is our fear for our children, is that they will be in a situation where they are afraid to be different, and they will succumb to peer pressure or pressures within them on, their own selves to do something that they would not normally do or that they know is wrong. And, and that doesn't end at, at teenagers. That also goes on at, as adults and as we get older. I think as you get older, you, you free yourself, though, a lot from trying to impress other people. I learned that the older I get, I don't care about what other people think about me. And maybe they don't care about what I think about them either. Um, but, you know, I feel freer to be myself. And um, it is it's very freeing. And if you are putting on airs and trying to be something that you're not, really just seek the Lord and just be comfortable being you. And I know it happens in college where you're trying to find who you are and where you fit in in this world and uh, what is my place. Realize 
you know, it's just a season, first of all, so it will pass your four, five, six years. I don't know what kind of degree you're getting, <laughs> but sometimes it takes a little longer, but that's okay. Um, but moving past that and being settled and, and resolute in that, I'm not going to do everything that everyone does, and I'm not going to try to fit in with everyone um, just to be popular or just to kind of just or just to fit in. Um, find some people who are like-minded like you, who believe like you believe and like what you like, and, and get in with that group. But don't try to fit in. Don't try to fit into some place. When you're a circle and you're trying to fit into a square, don't do that. And when you're a square and you're trying to fit into a swir- circle, just be who you are and be comfortable who you are for the glory of God. And, and, glory, and God will get the glory when you yourself. Um, fear causes us to lie and be deceitful. Isaac and calling his wife his sister. And we're going to turn to Genesis and I was looking at uh, Genesis when I was doing this study about fear and, and doing a lot of research and realized that Jacob uh, had a lot of fear. Uh, but fear causes us to lie and be deceitful. So let's look at Genesis 26. We're going to go 7 through 9. Oh, no, 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 I'm sorry. Let's not go there yet. <laughs> 26 is, I want to go a little bit later, so maybe it's 27, 36. Okay, yeah, 27, let's go to 27, 36. Genesis 26, 7 through 9 is about um, Isaac uh, lying about his wife and his sister. Uh, we're going to turn to Genesis 27, 36, and it talks about Jacob and his name. Uh, Genesis 27:36. But Isaac answered and said to Esau, "Behold, I have made him my master, and all his serv- all his relatives I have given to him as servants, and with grain and new wine I have sustained him. Now, as for you, uh, what can I do, my son?" So Isaac uh, and Esau said to his father, "Do you have only one blessing?" So this is uh, what had happened was. Esau, Rebecca, and um, Isaac, I mean, Rebecca and Jacob had tricked um, Isaac into blessing Jacob. And Esau was out doing what he was supposed to do and coming back, and he realizes that he had been tricked, and his blessing, his birthright, had been given to Jacob. And Esau was very upset, and so he's having this conversation with with Isaac about, you know, bless me, please bless me. Uh, Let's go to, so that's his deceitful and lies, and he was trying to be deceitful because of fear. Um, what, and God had promised Rebekah and um, Jacob that he was going to get the birthright. He was going to get the blessing. But because I think, I believe out of fear of not knowing when that would happen, he kind of took matters into his own hands. He said, well, I'm going to make this happen. I don't know what, what's taking God so long to make this happen. And that, that's what happens with us. We're fearful, you know, it's coming down to the wire, What's going to happen? You know, he's going to get the blessing. Well, I'm going to jump in and make things happen. Now, who, who knew? And we can all only speculate as to if Isaac was to have given um, Esau the blessing, how was, what else were God was going to work out in that situation? But now we don't know because Jacob interjected and did something deceitful and lied. Um, let's look also at Genesis 29, 16 through 25. This is also, this talks about Laman, actually, and this is a little bit further on in the Jacob story. We'll, we'll go back in, into the story as well. But Jacob runs away out of fear of Esau, and he goes in to Laman, his uncle, his uh, mother's brother. And let me see where, 27, no, I'm at 29, 16, I'm sorry. Now, Laman had two daughters. The name of the older was Leah, and the name of the younger was Rachel. And Leah's eyes were weak, but Rachel was beautiful of form and face. So it basically said Leah was not attractive. (laughs) Now, Jacob loved Rachel. So he said, I will serve you seven years for your younger daughter, Rachel. And Laban said, it is better that I give her to you than that I give her to another man. Stay with me. So he said, okay, I'll take you on a contract. I'll let you serve me seven years, and then I'll let you have my daughter. I wonder why we don't do that nowadays. It's 
<laughs> so Jacob served seven years for Rachel, and they seemed to him but a few days because of his love for her. So he served seven years, but he, he said it just went by so fast because he had such a great love for Rebecca. Or Rachel, I'm sorry. Thank you. So Laman gathered uh, all the men of the place and made a feast. And now it came in the evening that he took his daughter Leah and brought her in, brought her to him. And Jacob went with her. And Laman also gave his maid Zephiah to his daughter Leah as a maid. So it came about in the morning that, behold, it was Leah. So Laman said, I'm going to trick the trickster. Uh, I'm going to not give him Rachel. Well, I'm going to give him my other daughter, who's a little bit special looking, and um, <laughs> and give him to her. And so he snuck her in. And so fear causes us to lie and deceit, first of all, but also those lies and deceit, deceit open us up to lies and deceit. And I think that what happened is Jacob had reaped what he sowed. He has sowed some lies and deceit. And so I don't feel pity for him. Some, some people may. But you had been deceitful and lied several times. And so now you're opening yourself up to more deceit and lies. And so when we lie and deceit, um, that stuff comes back on us. Fear causes us to question God. Samuel fearing to obey God's command to anoint a king in Saul's place. That's 1 Samuel 16, 2. Fear causes us to forget the power that we have during the storm at the sea, Matthew 8, 26, Mark 4, 38, and Luke 8, 25. And that's, that's an interesting story, too, because Jesus was in the, uh, the boat, and the storm was raging, and the people were scared, and it was like, what's going on? What's going on? Now, Jesus had done all these things beforehand. It didn't, I was like, did not dawn on you just to go seek Jesus and say, hey, the storm is going on. Why are you fretful when you have the answer right within you? And so sometimes fear causes us to forget that we have the Holy Spirit. Why am I fretting? Why am I worried? Why am I going around doing all this stuff when I have the Holy Spirit who can lead and guide me into all truth and protect me? And so why am I stressing out about this when, you know, that fear causes me to forget that I have some power right within me or right with me. Uh, I don't have to worry about what's going on. Fear causes us to question our worth or value. Jesus sends out the disciples in Matthew 10, 26 to 31. Let's turn there quickly. Um, so I, I do like that. Sometimes fear does cause us to settle, forget who we are, forget that we are worthy of certain things. Matthew 10, 26 through 31. Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will be revealed and hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in darkness, speak in light, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but are unstable, but unable to kill the soul, but rather fear him who is able to destroy both body, uh, soul and body in hell. Are not two sparrows sold for a cent, and yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father. But the very hairs on your head are numbered. Therefore, do not fear. You are more valuable than many sparrows. And he's saying, know who you are. Know your worth. You are more valuable than these animals out here, and, and God is taking care of them and sin about them. And sometimes we forget that I'm valuable to them. He wants me. He cherishes you. and He wants so much for you um, to grow and develop that he's not going to just throw you away. So sometimes we forget our value because of the fear that's going on around, around us. Fear causes us to run and hide. Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden is Genesis 3, 8 and 10. We're very familiar with that. Um, but Jacob also ran. Let's go back to Genesis 27, 43. says, now, therefore, my son, obey my voice. And this is the Lord talking to um, Jacob. And he says, now, therefore, my son, obey my, no, this is Rachel telling Jacob, I'm sorry. Uh, Rachel telling Jacob to, now, my son, obey my voice, go to my brother's house uh, and hide there. He was running because he had tricked Esau, and Esau said, I'm going to kill him. Uh, and I don't blame Esau for being a little bit upset. <laughs> and so Jacob was fearful, and he ran away. Fear causes us to question God's promises. 
Let's look at um, Genesis 28, 13 through 15. And it's always easy to see, to me, you know, and I, I think that I, I read these and when I'm studying, I look at this and I can point out all the missteps that they did and why he didn't trust them. And I, I can point all that out. Then the Lord would flip it on me and say, what about you, Virgil? I was like, ah, stop it, stop it, you know. <laughs> I'm not ready for that yet. I'm, I'm, I'm studying, I'm studying. I can see Jacob's flaws, and I can see where he missed the mark. But then the Lord said, you know, I'll make some promises for you, and you, you, you've done the similar or the same thing. Um, so Genesis 28, 13 through 15. So this is the Lord talking to Jacob. And, the, and behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord, the God of your father Abraham. And the God of Isaac, the land on which you lie, I will give it to you and your descendants. Your descendants shall also be like the dust of the earth and used to spread out to the west and to the east and to the north and to the south. And in you and in your descendants shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with you. I will keep you wherever you go. Or I'll keep you some of the places you go. Most of them, but not all. Wherever you go, I will keep you, and I will bring you back to this land, and I will not leave you until I have done what I have promised you. Then Jacob woke up, and this is the Lord speaking to him in a dream. He said, you know, so Jacob wakes up and says, you know, surely the Lord has been here, and he, he did all this stuff. He made a, a, a sacrifice there, I think, or made some, put some stones together uh, and made a pillar to remember that spot. But then in 20 through 21, it says, then Jacob made a vow saying, if God will be with me and will keep me on this journey that I take and will give me food to eat and garments to wear, and I return to my father's house in safety, then the Lord will be my God. It was like, if God just told you what he was going to do for you, he just told you, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to do this. I'm going to bless you. Your descendants will be blessed. And then Jacob turns around and says, well, if you do it, then after you take care of me and make sure I'm able to eat and make sure I get to my father's house, then you will be my God. I was like, Jacob, come on, man. (laughs) I was very harsh on Jacob. Then the Lord said, come on, Virgil. I was like, oh, okay. Um, But yeah, God just promised Jacob and told him, this is what I would do for you. It wasn't a, a negotiation. It was this is what will happen. But Jacob, in his fear, and out of all the stuff that he's been through, and so, you know, Jacob is just a broken person and fearful of everything and fearful to commit and fearful to, you know, just really trust and believe the Lord. He said, well, you know, but if you do these things, then I will let you be my God. So I was a little harsh on Jacob. Maybe you're not. Um, but isn't that like us? God will tell you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do this in your life. I'm going to make sure you, you have. I'm going to prosper you. I'm going to heal you. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure you graduate from school. I'm going to make sure you, you know, your kids are going to be okay. He says that to us, and not a moment later we say, well, if he does it, <laughs> then, you know, I'll serve him. Or if he does it, then I will, you know, I would be okay, or I would give, or I would do whatever. And God is saying, I've already made the promise. My word is settled. I'm, I can't lie. What I told you is going to come to pass. Just believe, and don't, and don't question me. And then I think about my kids. You know, when you tell your kids to do something, they question you. Isn't that something that just like riles you up? It does me. Like, what? I just told you <laughs> what to do, and you're going to question me? And I could just see God saying, what? I just told you. <laughs> you want to question me? Uh, maybe you know, if you don't have kids, just wait. You, you know, they, they will rile you up. <laughs> You've never been riled up before. They will <laughs> push your buttons, definitely. Um, but fear does cause us to question God's promises. Fear causes us bad relationships, causes us to make assumptions that may not be true. Genesis um, 31 and again, this is about Jacob. And a lot of this is about Jacob. Uh, and the Lord said unto Jacob, return to the land. And I'm not going to go into all the details. You can put it up. Oh, you can show it. I'm sorry, Sean. You, 
did all this hard work. So, <laughs> but um, the Lord was talking, uh, had told Jacob to leave Laban. Now you can go back to your your father's house. And uh, Jacob was fearful in that. He assumed that Laban would be upset that he would leave. And so he secretly left. He got all his goods together and packed up his wife and two wives and all the kids and all his horses and or cows and sheep or whatever he had. He packed it all up and they snuck out late at night because he was afraid that Laban was going to be upset with him. Again, Lord had just told him to leave. Now, if he had just said, Laban, the Lord told me to leave. It's time for me to go. We're going to say our goodbyes and we're going to eat all your kids. Your daughter's going to give you a hug and say goodbye and everything would have been fine. Um, but he, he was afraid that Laban would be upset. And so he snuck out and left. And so Laban came chasing after him and he got even more afraid. He was like, oh, my God, Laban's chasing after me. We were, you know, I'm afraid. I'm afraid. And Laban came and was like, what are you doing? Why would you sneak out? You know, I'm not I'm not going to hurt you. Um, and so he assumed because of his fear that Laban was going to do something bad to him. He also made assumptions when he was going to meet his brother Esau again. You know, he was afraid. He had sent word that he was coming, and Esau was coming to meet him. And this is in Genesis uh, 32, verse 6, starts there. Uh, but Esau was, he had sent word that he was coming, and Esau was coming with 400 men. And, oh, God, that sent Jacob in the tailspin. Oh, my God, Esau got 400 men. He's going to kill me. He's going to kill all my kids and my wife and everything that I have. He's going to plunder us and take everything. What are we going to do? What are we going to do? So he separated he put 50 over here and separated these. And he said, well, if he catches this one, at least this group got away. If he catches this group, at least this group can get away. And so he made all this fuss after the Lord had already said, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to take care of you. You will see your promises fulfilled. My promises will be fulfilled in you. But he was so afraid. And so he did all this. You know, he sent, all, sent him some things, some gifts and stuff. And Esau came up and was like, gave him a hug. And was like, good to see you, man. You know, hadn't seen you in a while. You know, we know we had an issue about me wanting to kill you before. But, you know, it's settled now. He was like, what is up with this and all this stuff you're, you're sending me? You know, what is going on? I, you know, I, don't, I'm, I have plenty. But he was like, no, no, no. You know, I, you know, I want to be your servant. And, you know, he's trying to be humble and submissive. But he could not rest in the promises of God. Because of his fear. And so it just uh, caused him a lot of trouble, a lot of headache, unnecessary trouble, unnecessary headache, when he could have just trusted and believed in God and what God was going to do. Um, you could please take time to read that. I think Jacob is just an interesting story. And, and read it, when you read it through, when it even talks about Joseph, uh, when he has kids and Joseph is born and his, uh, his sons kick Joseph out, the first thing that the Lord says to Jacob, because, you know, there's famine in the land, and so uh, Joseph sees the brothers and sends them back to go get his father or whatever. The first thing the Lord says to Jacob in that uh, experience is, don't be afraid. I do want you to go to Egypt. And, you know, it lets me know Jacob was still dealing with fear, even after, 20, I think, 22 years even had passed, and that Jacob was still dealing with fear, that the first thing the Lord has to say is, don't be afraid. You know, I still want you, I want you to go to Egypt. Because I'm sure Jacob would have been like, I'm not going there. They're going to kill us or whatever. Uh, fear has consequences, physical, psychological, spiritual. Uh, it causes tension, sleeplessness, indigestion, demoralizing, debilitating. It causes us to be disorganized. It warps our perception. It gives us, uh, causes us to be a procrastination, avoidance. Spiritual consequences, it questions our relationship with God, doubts our salvation, questions God's love, his ways, provision, authority. And questions our ability to live a life that's pleasing to God. So what do we do? We have this fear. We, we, you know, we're trying to overcome it. We have these goals for this year for the body. And then you have your individual goals. And if you haven't made some, uh, please commit to working on some goals, whether it be physical or spiritual or psychological or whatever your goals may be financially. Uh, set some goals up. Uh, but then there will, be, there will be some blocks. There will be some obstacles that you're going to have to get over. And fear is one of them. So what does the word say about us getting over this fear? 2 Timothy 1.7, we read before, God has not given us a spirit of fear, a spirit of power, love, and self-discipline or sound mind. Um, 1 John 4.18, there is no fear in love. Perfect love drives out fear because fear has to do with punishment. The one who fears is not made perfect in love. 
Isaiah 41.10, so do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Deuteronomy 31.6, be strong and of good courage. Fear not, nor be afraid of them, for the Lord thy God, he is that doeth go, he goes with thee. He will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Uh, Psalms 23, 4. Yea, do I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I will fear no evil, for thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. And it talks about that, that rod being a stick. Um, could be a stick of discipline. And the, I think the Hebrew word, I mean the Greek word for that, I know the Hebrew word for rod is sabat, S-E-B-E-T. And the Hebrew word for staff is M-I-S-H-E-N-A. I think it's Miss, Miss Henna. And uh, the rod is discipline, but also it's a protector as well. And the staff is one that the shepherds would use. It's something to lean on, to trust, support. Together, the two words paint a picture of a strong, protective shepherd who we can trust and who cares about us. Uh, Psalms 56, 3 and 4 what time and I am, what time and I, I am afraid. I will trust in thee, and God I will praise His word, and God I will put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do to me. Uh, songs Isaiah fifty four four and five. Second Corinthians four. I think uh, fifteen sixteen seventeen, eighteen. It says, "For all things are for the sake, are for your sake, that the abundant grace might through." Thanksgiving of many rebound to the glory of God, for which cause we faint not, but through our outward man perish, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. For our light affliction, which is but for a moment, worketh for us a far exceeding and eternal weight of glory, while we look not at the things which are seen. So many times fear is based off the things that we see but at the things which are not seen. For the things which are seen are temporal, but the things which are not seen are, are eternal. Um, someone looked this up. Fear is false evidence appearing real. And if it's not, if it's false, then it's not what you see, it's what you don't see that is real, that, that, that what the angels are working on, what God is working on in you is what's real, but fear isn't. Fight fear with fear. The only fear that matters is the fear of God. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, 24 through 25. That's why the Lord our God demands that we obey his laws and worship him with fear and trembling. And if we do, he will protect us and help us be successful. Uh, 1 Peter 5 and 6, I won't read it, but it talks about humble yourselves, therefore in the mighty hand of God. And that humility uh, is, is a reverent humility. Humble him, and he will uh, make sure you stand firm and steadfast and restore you. First uh, John 3.19, when we love others, we know that we belong to the truth, and we feel at ease in the presence of God. But even if we don't feel at ease, God is greater than our feeling, and he knows everything. Dear friends, if we feel at ease in the presence of God, he will have the courage to come, uh, we will have the courage to come near him. He will give us whatever we ask because we obey him and do not, and do what he pleases him. Obey him and do what he please, what pleases him, sorry. God wants us to have faith in his son, Jesus Christ, and to love each other. This is also what Jesus taught us to do. If we obey God's commandments, we will stay Worn in our hearts with him, and he will stay with us. The spirit that it the spirit that he has given us is proof that we are one with him. That is awesome. I love that passage of scripture. Um, Psalms one eleven and ten, the fear of the Lord is beginning of wisdom, a good understanding have they that do his commandments. Uh, Proverbs nineteen twenty three, the fear of the Lord leads to life, then one rests content, untouched by trouble. I love that. Proverbs, Proverbs 19, 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life. Then one rests content, 
untouched by trouble. Um, Proverbs 14, 26 through 27, those who fear the Lord have a secure fortress. And for their children, it will be a refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, turning a person from the snares of death. Psalms 56 and 11. God, I trust, and I am not afraid. What can mere humans do to me? The key to overcoming fear is total and complete trust in God. Trust in God is a refusal to give in to fear. Fear is an emotion. Trust is an act of our will. In Psalms 34, 4, I sought the Lord, and he heard me and delivered me from some, all my fears. Let's stand to your feet. So make the commitment today that you will not allow fear to overtake you from reaching your personal goals, from reaching your ministry goals, from reaching whatever God has for you that's going to bring him glory. That is the backdrop of this year. We want to reach our goals for the glory of God. Whatever God has for you that's going to bring you glory, it may be something that you cannot fathom, that he's told you about. And you may be thinking, how in the world is this going to happen? It's just little old me and little old Lynchburg. How are you going to do this? And then we become fearful and we become to question him. And then situations and circumstances happen in our lives. And we're like, oh, maybe that wasn't it. But believe and trust God that he, what he said is going to be true. And he's going to see it come to pass. And you just rest assured in that and believe that he's going to do it. And I believe God is going to do some awesome things this year if we're able to overcome our fears and really seek him. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this time. We thank you for your word. Lord, we pray that our hearts are open to you. We fear you and you only, Lord God. And we pray, Lord God, that we're able to overcome all the obstacles in our lives. You set them up for a reason, Lord God. You're going you're to train us and cause us to be powerful. The promised land was promised, but they still had to fight the, the inhabitants of that land. So that doesn't mean that we won't have to fight, but we can rest assured that you're going to see us through and that we won't be defeated. And we may lose battles, but we won't lose the war. And you're, you're, you're changing us and bringing us to an expected end, and you're perfecting some things in us, Lord God. And so we thank you, and we pray, Lord, that you begin to work on us. Holy Spirit, lead us. Let us be obedient to your word and to what you're saying in our lives. We're going to accomplish great and mighty things in 2011 because of the glory of God. Thank you and bless you in Jesus' name.